Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, hello there, everybody. Good to see you. All you Gracites, all you visitors to Grace, I'm glad that you're here. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Okay, yeah. Who had a good Thanksgiving? Who liked most of the people at your table? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, we, I had a good time every other year for years now, for 27 years. The Sussler clan, my mom and dad and kind of everybody that breaks off from them, we go to a hotel and we have a lot of fun. We, we, hit, we uh, invade a buffet and we invade a water park. And the water park's great. We've got a lot of kids and they run around and they do what they do in water parks. But I always feel bad for the people sitting next to us at the buffet. There's 23 of us, seven under the age of five. Michelle? I'm I'm connecting with visitors. This is very nice. Old friends, family. So, good morning. Anyhow, I just feel bad. You know, the the kids under the age of five, they're good kids. They do the best they can. But when they're done eating, you know, they get bored. (laughs) Come on, you feel sorry for the people next to us too, don't you? You can just imagine all of these children. And I, although there have been times, and this is true, where the children are the well-behaved ones. You should see my dad and mom. They get out of hand. I'm kidding. I did have a good Thanksgiving. We're moving from Thanksgiving now into the Christmas tree season. And then from the Christmas tree season to tearing down Christmas decoration season. And somewhere along the line after that, we'll have spring. Time really does fly. I appreciated Mike, Mike's opening verse or the, the verse that he shared with the offer, at the time of the offering and tithes, you know, about the, the disagreements about clothes. You know, amongst other things, that the Bible is saying more than that. And I have been part of churches that have the disagreed about clothes, what to wear in a church service. Some services are very formal. Some churches are very formal. Some are very casual. And uh, I remember when we were, um, when I was a little boy, we were living in Florida, and we were going to a church that was very formal. It was the era of the blue leisure suit, right? So people would go to church on Sundays, and they would look good. They'd put on their blue leisure suit or whatever they would wear it, and they would look good. And then we moved from Florida all the way to Alaska, and there was no suits involved, unless maybe you were attending a funeral. It was all flannel and uh, lots of denim and lots of boots and uh, knives on belts. Men would wear knives on belts. I remember that as a kid. It was a totally different deal. And at that time, you know, it was a big deal in America. Did anybody remember that? What you wore to church, there was a disagreement about that. Heaven forbid that you wear something to a church service that was not... Dressy and churches actually split over it. Some very large churches, well-known churches in America, um, survived splits, or other churches would go off and they would start their own church because of what people would wear. It was a big deal. I one thing I always thought was interesting too, and this is a total aside. I don't know who this is for, but I always thought this was very interesting. You know, teenagers are probably when we hit our teen years, we become aware that other people have clothes that we want. True? Happens at teen years. That's the first recognition. Gee, that's really cool. I want that clothing. And, and I used to think that that was something specific 
But I grew up, I don't know why I felt this way. That was something specific for American teenagers. But then it dawned on me, all the mentions in the Bible, in the Old Testament, so thousands of years ago, when they would, the Israelites would invade a land, and they would take the gold, the silver, and the fine clothing. That's interesting, right? They wanted to look good even back then. Nobody wants to look messy. I don't think they do. So, hey, I'm just having fun recognizing people here. I'm glad to see everybody. You know, can I just, I believe that we're not here by accident. You had to wake up this morning. You got dressed. You hopped in your car or however you got here, and you made it here. Is there anybody that didn't make it here? You made it here. We are here, and we are here to seek the Lord together. And we don't have to all know the same stuff about the Lord. We can be at all the different places, but we are seeking. And one of the things that I pray for regularly for this service, or for, this, for our church, regularly, I mean, all the time, that we would experience the movement of the Lord. That we would be exposed to and see, so we're always exposed to, but to see what the Lord does. We want to see it. However he wants to show himself, we want to see it in healings or the prophetic or understanding scriptures or in anything. You know, God's not done doing these things. Otherwise, why would we be searching? We know that he's not done. Anybody who's ever seen God move in that way, they're never quite the same. True? If we've ever seen God move in a supernatural way, that only God can do. It changes us. I pray for that for our service. I pray for it all the time. Because once we see it, God is the best describer of God. Now, I just love that. I love that we're here together. I love that we're searching together and we're looking to the scriptures. I love that we worship together. I love that we do these things together. We can do it on our own, but it's much more fun together. True? This is a very serious crowd. Very serious today. Okay, so the last, for those of you who have not been here, actually, Ryan, would you please pop open those doors? It's becoming comfortable in here. Thanks, Ryan. So the last few times I've been, actually for several months, I've been speaking on drawing closer to God, different ways to do it, how to hear from God a little bit, how to experience more of God and, and, and different things and different aspects to this. And last time I spoke, a couple weeks ago, we looked at Mark 4, and we see this demon-possessed man who's possessed by many demons, and we read this story of him where he sees Jesus gets out of a boat from a distance, and this demon-possessed man sees Jesus from a distance, a great distance, the Bible says. And he runs, he gets all the way to where Jesus is from wherever he was, this demon-possessed man, and he, and he falls and he worships Jesus. And Jesus delivers the demons, gets rid of the demons and the man, and there's a wonderful illustration for us. And this is a good reminder for us today. If we want to get closer to God, what's going to stop us? Demons? No. What will stop? Nothing is going to stop us if we want to draw closer to God. We could just do it. True? This is a serious crowd. Man. All right. So with that, we're going to look at 
a little further along the way, we're going to look at somebody in the Bible, a biblical bad guy, a bad boy. And we're going to see if we can learn a few things from his mistakes. Don't you like it when you can learn from somebody else's mistakes? I've learned a lot from Tom Meyer's mistakes. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Tom. I, you know, first service, I was able to pick on a couple of nephews and my brother. I, I feel like in this service, I'm going to need somebody's help to pick on every now and then. Simon, maybe I'll pick on you. I don't know. But we're going to look at somebody, um, a very well-known person. We're going to look at Cain. We'll read some verses, and then we're going to go back and reread them, and I'd like to speak to them a little bit. Cain messed up royally, and we mostly know Cain for, him, for killing his brother. All right, so let's read these passages, and I'm going to read them again sequentially, and then we'll go back and break them down. So this is Genesis 4, starting at verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time her, his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of the time, of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the first, uh, firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well... Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with his brother Abel, or with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Now if you want to know more of the story, you can read on from verse, Genesis chapter 4, verse 10 onward, and you get a little bit more. But the, we caught the essence of what I want to hit on today. Let's go back. Now, we're going to go back. We're going to start at the beginning. And I just want to hit a couple points along Cain's journey. Because he really has an amazing journey here. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Now, they've had no kids. Cain's the one. And she gives, you know, Adam and Eve have had their own remarkable journey. They were in the Garden of Eden. They got the boot from Eden. They're, they're, they're working in the world. Uh, normal existence, what we would identify with our type of existence, and she gets this baby. I can't imagine what was in her mind. This is a big deal. Hey! But she still doesn't turn her back on God. She still said, I have acquired a man from who? The Lord. So even though she was closer, she still knows where this thing came from. I have acquired a baby from the Lord. And she bore again, and Cain got his little brother, Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, Cain was a tiller of the ground. This is another interesting point, and I'll just say this as an aside. You can study this out on your own. I believe Adam and Eve in the garden were vegetarians. That's what I believe. Somewhere along the line, Abel became a keeper of sheep. That's not something vegetarians typically do, is it? I just thought that was interesting. I texted a group of friends. What do you think about this? I got some of their thoughts, and I read in a number of books. So there's a lot happening in this little segment. Well, we go onward. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Cain brought an offering. A lot of times we focus, again, we focus on the fact that Cain killed his brother. You know, Cain brought an offering to God too. We forget that. We for, I forget that. 
that Cain did have his own offering. He did have something that he prepared and he gathered for the Lord. He took his fruit from the ground. Abel also brought, so now his brother, brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Abel brought the good stuff. Cain just took stuff from the ground. I took time to read, and, and I read a number, of, I mean a large number of commentaries on this. And I thought, I just wanted to know their thinking. What, what's the big difference between these two offerings? Most commentaries were speculating that Abel's offering was better because of the blood sacrifice required for atonement of sins. And we know that later on, Moses would get more instructions in the law and talk about blood sacrifice and atonement for sins. I don't know that it's really the case here. Anybody who would believe that that's the reason why his offering was better would have to also understand that God did honor grain offerings, fruit from the ground offerings. The Lord did like them. We can read that in the same law that talks about the law for the blood. There's components of each and dimes for different offerings for different things. So for the sake of simplicity today, let's say Cain's offering was better, I'm sorry, Abel's offering was better because it was the good stuff where Cain just took the fruit from the ground. There was nothing remarkable about what he gathered for the Lord. Is that fair? Is that good enough reason? Cain just took stuff around. Nothing special, just stuff. But Abel took the good stuff. This is an aside, but do you ever feel as though sometimes you just go through the motions with the Lord? Do you ever feel like you're just going to church? You know, just stuff. God, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go to church. Anybody ever feel like that? Yeah, it happens sometimes. I don't know why Cain... It would be interesting to ask the Lord someday, wouldn't it? Hey, God, when Cain brought his offering, when he just took the stuff from the ground, was he just going through the motion or was he always like that? I don't know. I don't know if Cain's always like that. The key is how he handled it later on. Anyway, the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. I know that when I give my parents a, a, a gift, that my brother and sisters, their countenance falls. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But Cain, it's... His, Cain's countenance fell, and, and I, this is a key part here. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? The Lord sees it. There is a big lesson. The Lord sees our disposition. And he initiates the conversation with Cain. He makes a teachable moment. Why are you angry? Do you remember when you were a child, your parents would give you teachable moments? You remember those? I remember teachable moments. If we were in public... And uh, I was acting a certain way. My dad would do the same thing. He would put his, hand, his fingers right here, and he would squeeze till my shoulder was powder. <laughs> and he would say, do you want to go to the car? No, I don't want to go to the car. I don't want the car. I don't, I don't want the car. The car was always a bad place. I don't think I have to tell you what happened in the car, do I? <laughs> That was, those were teachable moments for me. Jimmy, don't run in the store. Do you want to go to the car? That's a teachable moment. Jimmy, you shouldn't do this. I don't want to go to the car. You know what I'm talking about. You had teachable moments too. 
it's interesting. The scriptures talk about that we go, to, we enter the kingdom of, of, we enter the kingdom like a little child. You know, that's not just in our faith, but those are also in our attitude and teachable moments. Children receive teachable moments. Adults, we have a hard time with teachable moments. If you have children that are little, you can do teachable moments all day long. But if you have children that are full grown, you know what I'm talking about. Those teachable moments are hard. You want to tell your kids, hey, hey, just listen to me. I don't care if you're old now. I still know. It's harder to do teachable moments with adults, isn't it? Most of us in this room are adults. Having teachable moments from the Lord, if we listen like a child, will be very successful. If we listen like an adult, you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we, can, we make these things very complex, these teachable moments. Well, Cain really missed it. He listened, I don't know, like an adult. He absolutely didn't get what the Lord was saying. At least he, not enough to watch what he was going to do. So the Lord said, why are you so angry? Teachable moment. Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you, do, if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. The Lord tells him, hey, you can do well. Go, you can do well. If you do well, it will be accepted. I don't know if this is the case. This is another one of my questions for the Lord. What if, and I don't know this, okay? I'm not teaching this. But I think it's interesting to think about. What if Cain would have said, you're right, God. I came with just a meh offering. I'm going to go right this minute. I'm going to go back to my fruit of the ground, and I'm going to give you the best of what I have. And you know what? Because you're God, I'm going to double it. And I'm going to bring it back, and I'm going to make a new offering for you. I wonder how Cain would have, how the Lord would have responded to Cain then. Just hypothetically, it would have been interesting to, to ask, wouldn't it? The Lord gives them the heads up, though. If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. You can do well, but if you don't do well, now sin is waiting. And his desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Well, again, this teachable moment didn't stick with Cain. Cain had talked with his brother Abel, so the conversation with the Lord finishes up. Later on, Cain's with Abel, and it came to pass, and they were in the field. Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Boy, Cain could apparently really hold a grudge. And he killed his brother. At first service, I had an epiphany. I decided from this point forward, my brother will always go in one field and I will always go in a different field. <laughs> That's good thinking, right? If you have siblings, you might want to think about that too. Don't walk in the same field as your siblings. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? You know, I don't... <laughs> the sad thing to me is I kind of look back on this... Cain missed the whole point or the whole idea on who God really is. If he would have thought about that in the first place, he would have had a better offering. And he would have listened more. And he certainly wouldn't have wanted to have killed his brother. But he missed that mark. Somewhere along the line in our society today, people seem to be generating their own idea of who God is. They don't always consult the scriptures, and if they do consult the scriptures, even then, their own idea of who God is. It's all over the place. I know some people have this view of God that he's a 
just a, I will cross you. You know what I'm talking about? And then other people have an idea of God that he's just this mamby, pamby, lets anything fly. You know, oh, I'm God, I made you, and I sure hope you come to love me. You know, I hope, you, I hope we get along. And they make him seem like he's a wuss. And there's these extremes of these relationships. And, that, you know, God is love. They say, hey, you know, God loves me so I can do whatever I want. You know, my parents love me too, and that's why they would discipline me. True? Did your parents love you? Were you ever disciplined? Ever. Some of you are totally honest. My brother was disciplined much more than I was. I think my parents love him more. The Lord, right now, I don't want to go too, too much on this, this aside here, but right now we live in the society that, you know, God is love, God is love, God is love, and love means do whatever you want to do. But for anybody who's ever been a child, we know that's not the case. We know that love requires discipline too. We have a God who can be a disciplinarian if he needs to, out of love. There was a survey that was done by Baylor University in 2006, and they went and they wanted to find the categories or how people viewed God, and they came up with ultimately four categories. The first one is God, uh, the authoritarian God, the authoritarian God. 31% of Americans uh, view God this way, 43% in the South. The South is the dominant area for, for viewing God like this. He is angry at humanity's sins and engaged in every creature's life and world affairs. Everybody, he's engaged in all of them. He is ready to throw the thunderbolt of judgment down on unfaithful or ungodly. I smite you! <laughs> Sometimes it'd be nice to have a guy like that at your back, you know? Hey, you cut me off. God, thunderbolt. <laughs> then there's a benevolent God, 23%. Our people view God this way, 28.7% uh, in the Midwest. So in the Midwest, this is our dominant view of God, that he still sets absolute standards for mankind in the Bible. But this group, which draws from mainline Protestants, Catholics, and Jews, sees primarily a forgiving God, more like the father who embraces his repentant prodigal son in the Bible. They're inclined to say caring for the sick and needy ranks highest on the list of what it means to be a good person. That's a soft God, isn't it? You can do whatever you want, he'll always forgive you, which is true, but we don't want to take advantage of that. Then there's the critical God. 16% believe this, 23 or 21% in the East. So this is mainly an Eastern, uh, this dominates the East. Has his judgment eye in the world, but he's not going to intervene either to punish or to comfort. This group is more paradoxical. They have very traditional beliefs picturing God as the classic bearded old man on high. Yet they're less inclined to go to church or affiliate seriously with religious groups. I know there's a God, they say, but I'm not really into him. He'll, he'll take care of business later. Right now, I've got my own thing going. They're holy, they're holy and entirely missing the mark there. And then finally, there's the distant God. 24% um, overall, 30% in the West. This is a Western deal. Um, they say he is no bearded old man in the sky raining down upon us. Let me say this again. Uh, the distant God is no bearded old man in the sky raining down his opinions on us. 
Um, but they have the strongest, uh, but they, they view him more like a cosmic force that launched the world and then left it spinning on its own. I'll make the world. And then just, just goes on and on. I remember talking to a pastor from Huntington Beach, California, and he was telling me the average turnover in his church was every 18 months to two years. People would leave. And I said, where would they go? Why would they leave? Because, I mean, two years, right? That's not very long to be in a church. Why would they leave? He said they would find something more shiny. So they'd go somewhere else. How people view God has a lot to do, how we view God has a lot to do with how we receive from God or how we follow God, the type of offering that we bring to God. It has a lot to do with everything that we do with God. Do we view God as a loving God? Do we view him as a dictating God? And again, Cain clearly did not view God in a very strongly accurate way. He knew God. He prepared offering for God. And he, you know, Cain, I I would like to have sat around the kitchen table with Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel when they were just a family together. Because Cain knew and Abel knew that their parents had been in the garden. I'm sure of it. The scriptures doesn't say it. But I've got to think that Adam and Eve told their kids, boy, we were living in a good place. We had a good thing going there for a while. But what do you think Cain and Abel would say? Yeah, but why did you get kicked out? It could have been so much better for us. Would have been interesting discussions at the table, right? What we have in God, what we have in the Lord, regardless of how much we understand Him, what we have in the Lord is better than anything we have here. And Apostle Paul says it really clearly. Multiple times. Romans 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And again, in Philippians 3 verses 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things for loss for the excellence of knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. You know, Paul got it. He got it. He knew that the God that he followed was much bigger much better than anything he had going on. Even this first line, yet indeed I count all things for loss. He was saying in the preceding verses, he was talking about his career, his reputation, his position with the influencers in the land, how plugged, he, plugged in he used to be with the religious community. He was a man of some significance in society at the time. And I counted all his loss. He also, we also know from Paul, he had to learn to be content. So when he got to this point, he had to go through his own journey to get there. We have to get, go through our own journey sometimes to understand about being content. Pastor Mike spoke on contentment a few weeks ago. Good message. What does this stuff matter? God is bigger than all of it. He has promises that are greater than all of it. The things in life that distract us, Remember, Cain knew. The things in life that distracted Cain or the things in life that distract us, God's better than all of it. Sometimes we forget or we take our eyes off it or we fall in the routine, whatever. But we stay in the Word. Yeah, I used to work in a, I had a corporate job and uh, there was some people there who were big influencers in the company um, they made lots of money, lots, lots, lots of money, and they had a very uh, important pos- positions in the company, pre- prestigious positions. 
And I used to see them in the hall, and I would think, man, that guy's a shaker, you know? And about several years ago, I was at a restaurant for breakfast, and Mark Holman was there. And Mark and I were just hanging out. We were just schmoozing over breakfast. And I look over, and there's a table of these guys, these big shots at Northwestern, and they're all retired, and they're sitting at this table at the restaurant eating their breakfast. And, and it dawned on me. It just kind of hit me. Gee, they, they don't have that anymore. I wonder where they find their significance now. I mean, I, I wonder what they do in their life. That, that I know that they didn't know God. I know that they weren't believers. They didn't follow God. And I think, now what are they doing? I hope they had fun when they work, but where are they finding their significance? Anything, anything that's good, God, God's in. God designed good. He made us for pleasure, to enjoy pleasure. He made us to serve him. All these good things. You know, there's a lot of good lessons for Cain. From Cain. <laughs> it's a little too late for Cain. There's a lot of good lessons from Cain. The teachable moments, always bringing our best in offering. It's easier said than done. Amen? Sometimes it's hard to remember to bring our best. But these are good lessons. If we know the Word says to do something, we do it, that's a good lesson. But maybe one of the biggest ones, truly, is just remembering to look at God for who God is. And searching the Scriptures. God, show me more of you. Who you really are. The kind of relationship you want to have with me. All right, please stand up. I'm going to pray for everybody, and if you think, if you think, Lord, I, I feel pretty distant from you. I don't know you well. I don't have deep relationship with you. Then while I'm praying, you say with your mouth, you say, I want to give you my best, Lord. I want you to be Lord of my life. I will follow you. You may have said that before. Say it again. If you've never said it before, say it for the first time. God hears all of our prayers. He's very talented that way. He can hear a bunch of prayers at once. It's amazing. <laughs> but together we serve the Lord. Lord God, we do thank you for this time. I thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you for this assembly of people, Lord. We are looking to do right by you. We're looking to draw closer to you. We know that you desire a relationship with us. So, Lord, show us how to do these things. Show us how to uh, glean more from your word, how to hear your voice more, to see you move in our lives, to see you move in this congregation. God, I thank you for everybody here. I thank you for the holiday season that we have begun. And it's just a time to appreciate the things around us, but to remember how you work in our lives, Lord. Thank you for this time and these people, Lord. Please, bless them all. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.